Why, hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan with pureandsimplebible.com. Very thankful to be your host as we have another Bible study discussion. Now, a while ago, almost a year ago, in fact, I was really industrious, and I had recorded several podcast conversations with a bunch of guys, and wouldn't you know it, I left one behind. So I have a piece of treasure from the treasure chest, so to speak, from yonder time when I was a bit more industrious than I've been of late. And uh, it was an episode that I recorded with John Paw. Now, John is a teacher at Valley Parkway, where I worship. And John uh, teaches for us about every other month or so, at least it was before the pandemic. It's been kind of crazy, you know, for the past few months with our teaching schedule. Anyway, John was preaching a series of studies about verses out of context. And uh, as I was preparing to record a solo podcast this week, because I didn't have a guest lined up, I found this uh recording, and I, I dusted off the virtual dust, so to speak, and man, it was a great conversation in that same mini-series of verses out of context. So we're going to do a Bible study together, recorded, I think, back in February. So this is pre-pandemic with no inkling about what was going to happen, so you won't hear anything of that in the conversation. But back in February, we got together, and we recorded some discussions about verses out of context, and Philippians 4.13 is probably one of the most taken-out-of-context scriptures in the Bible, so that's the focus of our Bible study today. So, without any further word on that, let's jump right into the Bible study, shall we? Okay, well, I'm back with John Paw in studio. Thank you for coming in and spending some time with me today. Absolutely. And you have a series of studies you've been doing on verses out of context. And I love those studies because, one, I learn a lot. You know, sometimes I can be guilty of misapplying a verse. And two, I think uh, we live in a culture where it's really easy to do that. So maybe we could begin with your, I guess, motivation for this series of studies. Why, Why have you chosen, and I guess before I ask the question, sorry, this is all out of order. It's all jumbled. That's my that's my how my brain works. Okay. Um, uh, maybe I'll explain that you are a uh, local teacher mm-hmm. at our congregation at the Denton County Church of Christ, and so uh, you're on the teaching schedule maybe every other month or every month ish. Mm-hmm. And so you, for the past while, you've been teaching us on Sunday afternoons about these verses out of context, and you'll just have different verses. You'll read the verse and then kind of break it down for us. And it's been so healthy for our congregation, so I wanted to share it with people who are listening to this as well. So there, there's that kind of background for people. Um, what was your motivation for wanting to pursue these studies? Sure. I mean, I think just for me, the, the point or the reason I, I chose it is just because, you know, myself and, and everybody, we see verses every day. Um, we see them on signs. We see them on social media. Mm-hmm. And um, just personally for myself, you know, you know, I think there was just revelation that, you know, do I really, I know what they say, I can read, um, but I don't know, you know, maybe who's saying them, who they're being said to, and, and really why they're there at that specific point in the Bible a lot right. of the times. And so, right. and I think, like I said, a lot of people, it's, um, 
it, it, I don't think a lot of people have, you know, evil or malicious intent when, when posting something or, or using something at, potentially out of context. I think really everyone's genuinely, you know, wanting to display these things for, for good causes. Um, and so really it was just a, a, almost a personal challenge to embrace what's being said and, and try to embrace what, what all is being said with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think just, and we see stuff taken out of context, you know, in, in political you know, ads and stuff like that all right. the time. So right. to, to think that somehow Bible verses are immune to being taken out of context, um, yeah, it's just not true. Um, sure. And I think we kind of deceive ourselves um, in thinking that, well, this verse says this, so, you know, it must be, you know, true in all these different you know, right. senses, essentially. So that that process you're referring to, I've heard it called cherry picking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, cherry sure. cherry picking a Bible verse to make it fit your agenda right instead right. of you transforming yourself by what the word says sure yeah yeah maybe uh, if somebody hasn't heard the series before there there was a previous episode on Jeremiah 29:11 so I'd love for you to listen to that one as well but for somebody who maybe hasn't uh, can you take a moment and explain what context is sure so so to me you know you know context is really um, I think I try to consider like like three basic things. You know, first thing is is who the speaker is. Mm-hmm. So when we have a commandment that says I or you, we need to see who the I and the you is. Sure. So we need to know the speaker. We need to know who's who's hearing this message. Um and, and the background of, of usually both those parties. Right. Um so because otherwise, you know, we're not you you can't really say with confidence if you just take a verse is that can I apply that to me? Can I apply that to you? Can I apply that to, you know, my neighbor next door? Can mm-hmm. I apply it to this situation or that situation? Um, so, so to me, that those are the basics of context. If, if you can answer the question of who's saying it, who they're saying it to, and in the backgrounds of, of both those, you know, parties, um, it, that's probably the most important thing. You also got to maybe consider, you know, what, you know, where in the Bible it's taking place as well. Yeah, those are great questions to ask. I'm going to give you an example of context. Uh, it's on a little cute calendar. There's floral designs in the corner. And the Bible verse says, If thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Gotcha, yeah. And you think, oh, that's cute. Absolutely. Except it's the devil talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and the, right. the the scripture from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter four, uh, is when the devil is telling Jesus, and it's written in the old King James version. You know, mm-hmm. if thou wilt but worship me, all shall be thine. Yeah. Suddenly, when the speaker, mm-hmm. which is the devil, right. speaking to Jesus in the mm-hmm. context of tempting him, right. you think, "Ooh, I wouldn't want that on my calendar." Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a a, a practical example of the of the definition you just gave. And the reasons why we really do need to know the right. writer, the right. audience, the time that it's put in. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one that we're working on with our kids right now is uh, kind of the genre. And I know that seems weird for a 10, 8, and 6-year-old. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to get them to memorize their Old and New Testament. So we're going through you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, etc. But... On the cards that I have where we're practicing, we also have the type of book it is. Mm-hmm. Those are books of law, and then you've got books of history, and then books of poetry and prophecy. And, and the reason is 
when you open up, like in, we're, we're going to look at Philippians 4 today. Right. And because our kids are working on that, they, sh- they should know. They're still working on it big time. <laughs> but they should know Philippians. Oh, that's an epistle. Mm-hmm. And so I automatically know that's a different type of uh, literature than maybe Psalms. Right. Proverbs, right? So it's not just this figurative poetry. Mm-hmm. So when I when I read at Philippians, I'm not going to be looking at figurative things that can be abstract, and I can find all these applications. I'm looking at an epistle where somebody wrote a specific message to somebody else. So right. anyway, there's there's so much we could say about context, and I hope that you listener, as mm-hmm. you're considering what John has to say, um, will see the value of it. Sure. I just want people to see the value of it. Absolutely what's the danger or what's the concern? You know, is it really that big of a deal? You know, can't we just choose to interpret it the way we want to? Um, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a big temptation. The other, um, just to kind of go back a little bit. I mean, it's so easy to cherry pick verses, like you said, especially when we have digital searchable Bibles now, or, right. or you have Google, you can just type in Bible verses about, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, and then you'll be hit with 30 verses. Gun um, control. Bible yeah. verses about gun control. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> there might be a few verses. There might be a few. Use. And you could, and it gets scary because you could probably type in almost anything right. and, and find a way to craft those verses with your own commentary to sure. make it say almost anything you want. So the, the danger is, is you could, I think the biggest danger is, is basically changing the message. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's the biggest danger is that, you know, you could make a verse about one thing mean the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And you could even take a verse that, mm-hmm. um, you, you could even make a, a verse controversial. Um, right. It's really not that controversial. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think the, I think the point of, of studying context is you should both, I think, take your favorite verses and study the context. So, you're applying them correctly, but I would also just say you can even take your least favorite verses. If there's one that I don't know, you know, you know, makes you bristle when you first read it, or you know, is used by people as you know, a negative. I right. think if if you take the time and study the context, you know, you see that they're all you know positive, and they're sure. all they all work in harmony with one no, another. They were there for a reason. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I. Th- one more that I'll add before we jump into Philippians 4 is uh, just that when you don't use it in context, you lose credibility. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about a, a politician right. who called George Washington our fifth president. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> right. he loses credibility. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. Or that, you know, w- whatever other point he might make, but to say something in its context, you know, when our first president, George Washington, yeah, there's that makes sense and it increases his understanding. And that's kind of a simple example, but you use a verse out of context, people aren't going to trust you. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to be fair with the scriptures. We're looking at Philippians 4.13 today. And I'll read it real quick. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's inspirational. I can Absolutely. do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why, why don't you maybe open up or intro this to flesh out what's going on when people read it by itself. Sure. So I think, you know, you know, this I would assume or, or guess might be one of the more recognizable and memorable Bible verses that even a person that doesn't maybe have any, um, you know, religious, um, 
you know, maybe knowledge, you know, has probably heard this first mm-hmm. or seen this first posted somewhere. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, um, at least for me, you know, probably the first or the most likely places we see it is on is on athletes. Um, right. Steph Curry's got it <laughs> tattooed, so he hits all those uh, three point shots because he's got the tattoo. I can do all things. <laughs> Not not because he practiced ten thousand times exactly. before the game, but because yes. he <laughs> yeah yeah. So that's where we see it. We see it in athletes. We sure. see it in uh, yeah football players. Often have it, like under their their eyes. I've seen that. Yeah. Um. And I think that leads to this point, like you just said, that the reason the reason they're good athletes or the reason they've achieved these things is because you know because they can do all things through Christ who who strengthens them. Um. And I think it's also used, it's even used by religious people, though, too, that would, you know, cite it out of context, you know, trying to tell people, you know, that that anything is possible or they can achieve all things in their life. Right. You know, whether that may not be athletic, it could be personal goals or, you know, in their jobs or, you know, just in their own hobbies, but they couldn't choose anything or they could achieve anything. Um, as long as, long as, as they believe. Exactly, yes. Now, you have a Joel Olstein quote, and I'm right. very sensitive about Joel Olstein because I used to wear my hair a little bit longer, and uh, somebody came up to me one time and said, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Joel Olstein. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> you know, so I see names like that. Oh, it just makes me cringe about yes. that. But would you share that quote with us from this Joel Olstein devotional? Sure. So, um, yeah. So, so what, what Joel Olstein kind of um, written and said it says most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings, but Scripture makes it plain: all things are possible those to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may know, um, you may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that God said you can, so you can, mm. essentially. Now that, that's kind of vague, right? He didn't right. really specify God's plan or your goals or dreams, but it sure right. does make me feel like I can do anything. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very uplifting message and and i think it it does it draws people in um you know it it just does um so is i guess let's jump into the study itself is is philippians 4 13 teaching me to embrace my destiny what's going on here (laughs) sure so embracing your destiny i mean i think you know it's not so much no I, i don't think it is encouraging you to embrace your predestiny that all things are possible for those who believe. Mm-hmm. I think we have to really study, you know, or at least before you can say that, you at least need to know who's saying it. Sure. Um, you at least need to know who it's being said to. Well, that's the first question. Then. Absolutely. Who, who's the writer? Sure. So so the writer here um, it's, is Apostle Paul. Um, he is, he's currently in prison when he's writing this. Okay. Um, he's, um, you know, he's, he's potentially, um, you know, going to be put to death for, for, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. Um, it's also not his first time to be in prison. It's not his first time that he's, you know, faced persecution. You know, he's he suffered a lot of imprisonment. He's suffered a lot of isolation. Right. Um, a lot of persecution. Okay, so that's going to help me whenever I read it, knowing that it's Paul, that he's in prison, and he's gone through a really rough patch. Mm-hmm. Now, 
maybe let's answer the second question. It's the one you, you mentioned in the introduction. These are things that help kind of uh, flesh out what the Bible is saying. So uh, I know who's written it, but who's it written to? Yeah, so this this is written to uh, to the Philippian church. Um, so the Philippian church is a church that, that has been real supportive of Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paul's, you know, first actions in, in, in Philippi are, are recorded in Acts chapter 16, verses 12 through 40. Right, they, want, we, go got some, read that. we got some big characters there. Lydia, right. mm-hmm. the Philippian jailer. Mm-hmm. So just by knowing Acts 16, it was part of my Bible reading. Too. That's really weird. <laughs> Whoa, there's some, oh. yeah. For such it's a time as this. Yeah, it's meant to be. <laughs> but in my Bible reading today, we just did Acts chapter 16. So yeah, you see Lydia and the Philippian jailer and others. These are the people that Paul's writing to mm-hmm. most likely. So that, that helps me. What else? What else can we learn uh, from whom it's written to? Yeah, so it's also it's also known that, that this church in Philippi is really very dear and, and, and cherished by Paul. So again, they've been supporting him um, in a lot of different ways. They they've sent him uh, you know various gifts and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Aphroditus, who uh, assisted Paul, who was who was critical uh, to Paul's um, you know kind of mission, um, was sent by them. So he uh, Paul often. You know, he refers to them as like his dear and cherished brethren there, and so they're a they're a faithful church. Um, they're supportive of him, and they're also real. They're concerned themselves with Paul's well being, and vice versa. Paul's also really he's very concerned with their well being as well. Now, specifically in chapter four, so like we're we're looking at one verse, chapter four, verse thirteen. But if we back up a few verses, it'll it'll go along with what you're explaining that Paul in this section is talking to a group of people that have really been with him through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe can I read uh, verse 15 through 19 or so just to give our listeners a better understanding of what's going on? Please do. Okay. So Paul says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Can you maybe explain that real quick, what what happened there and why he's being so thankful? Sure. So, um, you know, just as the Philippians were concerned with Paul's well-being, and he's, he's concerned with theirs. He's thankful for, he's kind of listed all the various ways that they have supported him right. from the beginning, like right. you said. Um, you know, and he's he's also happy for the support they've given him because he's kind of saying, he knows that their support they've given him will be rewarded in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of he wants to encourage them to uh, to stay spiritually strong um, and to have peace with one another and and rejoices in, in all that they've kind of you know done together. You know, I just realized that I said we were going to back up when we read that, but that's actually looking into the future a little bit. Yeah. So shame on me for. <laughs> leading us astray. But that's uh-huh. verse 15 through 19. There you go. And it's after verse 13. Mm-hmm. So yeah, looking ahead, we see that he's receiving, he's continuing to receive these financial gifts and 
his needs are being met, mm-hmm. etc. But if when we back up um, into the next phase or the next phrase uh, of Philippians 4, it's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be helpful. We, we know it's Paul. Right. We know that in this chapter, we're going to be talking about the thankfulness he had of receiving these financial gifts so that it could supply his needs. What's all things in the verse about? Yeah, I, I really think, you know, at least for when we talk about this being taken out of context, this is the part of the verse that gets most mm-hmm. misapplied. Right. Because uh, when, you know, maybe someone just hears all things, we apply it to mean all things. Um, you know, <laughs> that um, that I can have anything I want. I could achieve anything I want. Right. I can jump higher. I can run faster. Right. Um, you know, even most dangerously, you know, we could sin maybe, mm-hmm. you know, can we really have all things mm-hmm. as long as, you know, we, we claim Christ basically. Right. Um, so we really, I mean, the, the nice part is we only really need to go back two verses um, to find the answer to the, what specifically is included in this all things, um, you know, uh, label. Um, so in, in Philippians chapter four and 11, it says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. You know, when I read that, and then I look in the future verses about the gift that they had been sending and he's thankful for it, et cetera. It makes total sense that mm-hmm. he's got one on one side of the verse is his contentment. And on the other side of the verse is his thankfulness. I don't see here that Paul could slam dunk or no, yeah, you know, fly to the moon using yeah. the verse. I can do all things, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He is not, there's no mention here of his, you know, gaining, Yes, you know, athletic prowess or or any kind of uh, mm-hmm. you know magical powers essentially. So he's yeah he's not he's not boasting either. He he's not saying that I've you know look at all this stuff that I've achieved. He's just really saying I've I've been content in my various circumstances. Aha, content in various circumstances. That's kind of the heart of the teaching in Philippians four thirteen. And as we continue to flesh it out, I'm going to invite you to come back next week to finish the conversation with us. John was in studio. We spoke together for nearly an hour on this Bible verse. So I'm breaking it up into two parts. And I'll leave you with this brief explanation that John has just given us about Philippians 4.13 and Paul's contentment. But we're going to dig in deeper next time. There's such a treasure of using a Bible verse in its context. When you use it the way God intended, you're always going to get God's fullest meaning and fullest blessing. And when you take it and put your own spin on it and take it out of its context, you're losing that blessing and uh, the application and the meaning and all the teachings that God would have for you to use. So uh, I guess that's my admonition to study in context. So 
Come back next week for the exciting conclusion. And until then, you can go to the website at www.pureandsimplebible.com and check out all the resources that are yours to download and use absolutely free. So until next time, always remember, God loves you very much. I do too. We're willing. See you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.